Welcome to Still Growing in Grace, a program dedicated to inspiring joy, giving hope, and delighting in grace. I'm Mike Zenker, and I'll be sharing with you a message of hope that will expand your understanding of God's love and amazing grace. God already deeply loves you, totally accepts you, and really, really likes you. Growing in Grace Ministries Canada and Hope Fellowship, your community church, invite you to enjoy today's program as we dig deeper into what it means to be still growing in grace. Good morning and welcome to Still Growing in Grace. Uh, it's another wonderful day to uh, be with you. I'm glad you're taking time to join me today. Um, we are going to be switching our topic for just like two weeks. Uh, and then we're coming back to finish up our other series uh, on What About Hell. Uh, I hope that one has been encouraging to you. Let us know if it has. Um, but today... Um, we're going to have a discussion with uh, Richard Murray and I uh, talking about what about judging? <coughs> How, wh why do we judge so much? In my uh, comments below or in the description, um, we, we see that we've been told not to judge if you do a simple search throughout the scriptures. What, is, what does the scripture say about judging? And then there's some other judgings that go on. There's the judging of um, angels that we're going to judge this, judge that. Oh, and the worst one, God's going to judge you. God's going to get you. That whole idea that we're still all going to get judged by God. Well... Listen, if we have our understanding or our concept of judging wrong, um, then it's going to also, like, first of all, if we have our misunderstand, if we have a misunderstanding of how God judges us, we're going to apply that to our human judging too, okay? Um, I think you're going to love this discussion. It's a two-parter. Um, in fact, I thought the second part was going to be just a quick, short add-on. <laughs> it turned out to be a, a, a full half hour or more, and it was fantastic. Um, so I look forward to that next week. So we're going to do these two this week and next week. Um, but I think you're going to love it. So without much more, um, listen in and enjoy this really, really good uh, conversation about uh, judging and how do we approach this? You know, do we sh how do we judge each other as believers or non-believers? Or what about other people's behaviors? You know, I don't like what they're doing. Oh, they're in sin. Oh, no. How could they do that? So it's just, it's pretty funny. All right. Hey, good morning, Sandra from the UK. Uh, great seeing you on. Um, I'll, uh, I'll comment again at the very end. Uh, once this is over, I'm just I'm sharing this pre-record for you. I think you're going to love it. Here we go. <laughs> All right. Welcome, everybody, to Still Growing in Grace. I'm with uh, Richard Murray, and I'm Michael Zenker. And today we're going to have a different conversation. Um, uh, we've been talking about hell uh, and the nature of hell and stuff for the last couple of weeks with Bill Thrasher, but um, Bill's not able to join us for the, the last couple of sessions we want to do. And so I asked Bill if I could chat with him about another topic um, that is kind of important to maybe all of us that are watching, and that is the idea of judging, judging one another, judging comments that we see online, how we respond, usually it's negative, um, and how we pounce on each other in the most unloving way. And all this is done in the community of what we call Christian. And I'm, I'm seeing painful responses. And uh, for those that are quote unquote deconstructing, that's not a healthy deconstruction when you become a jerk. You know what I mean? Have you seen any of this, uh, Richard? Well, yeah, I've, I've seen it on both sides of deconstruction. I've seen it pre-deconstruction and post-deconstruction. Yeah. Our, our uh, fangs, our judgment fangs uh, tend to pop out uh, pretty much under either mindset. 
So I'm not sure deconstruction addresses judgment like it should. Although, uh, well, to be fair to it, I, you know, I think a lot of it does maybe address, you know, things like misogyny or racism. Uh, probably deconstruction is more sensitive to those issues, which is fantastic, and I'm all for that. But you know, really, what you're talking about is this interpersonal judgments. Yeah. When we start judging things we don't like, people we don't like when we start getting into what I, what I like to call one-sided thinking hmm. you know, to where you, it doesn't matter what the other side thinks. It matters. You, you choose one side, one angle, uh, one mindset, you lock and load in it, and then you draw your conclusions. And <clears throat> I think the, uh, the term that, uh, that has been occurring a lot to me is something called reductivism or just being reductive. And you that's, yeah, that's just another form of oversimplify, you know, oversimplification that when you're reductive about something, you just you've oversimplified it. And it's much more nuanced than that. It's much more gray than that. Give me an and, example. Well, uh, religion tends to uh, the Ten Commandments, people who, who, who re- reduce religion to the Ten Commandments. That's being reductive. How can you say anything bad about the Ten Commandments? Come on. <laughs> well. You know, and I'm not saying that we can't we can't paint with broad strokes now and then, but there are some people who process everything through the Ten Commandments, and there's no organic, nuanced interaction with the Holy Spirit. No, no, uh, uh, looking into our own eye. No, no second thinking. You know, no, uh, uh, you know, no tenderness, no second thoughts. You know, Paul. I, I one of my favorite passages is when he, he jumps on the Corinthian church and he jumps on the guy who's having the affair, the affair with his mother-in-law. And he just, he just lamb blasts him and just tells him to, you know, he let, you know, throw him out, boot him out, you know? Um, and, and then that's in first Corinthians. And then in second Corinthians, he comes back and he says, Paul essentially says, you know, I don't want y'all to be hurt by what I said. I, and he backs off and says, if he, you know, take him back, you restore, you know, if you take, take him back, give him a chance to come back. And I love that about Paul. Mm. You know, Paul gets back sometimes for being, you know, a little sharp here and there. But you know what? He, it, I've learned, what I'm learning is to trust people's hearts, people who love the Lord, um, to trust their hearts to eventually get there. I don't have to escort them there step by step, you know, but just ha- be there for somebody where they're at. And let their own heart and their own faith take them, you know, to whatever they need to go through. The Lord may take them through a different path than we think they ought to go. Mm. You know, and, and another thing I love about Paul, Mike, is, is when he said, uh, you know, it's a very small thing for you to judge me. <laughs> he, he was, he, <laughs> But that doesn't mean that I'm not judged. Um, uh, but he who is spiritual discerns all things, he, he said. So the point is, you know the way we judge each other, who are we to judge? I mean, what authority do we really have to, to put the final judgment on anybody or anything? That's why we, we yield that to the Lord because he judges with love. And yeah, judges- but the Lord works so slow. He needs help. I got to help out the Lord. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, there's something in us that's carnal. And I'd like to make a proposal along the lines of what we're talking about. How about let's try this thing. Let's don't judge at all. What? We think we think we have to judge. There's something in us that thinks I have to judge this situation. And I think that there is a third option, you know, that um, 
you know, to judge something as good is an option, to judge something as bad is an option. What about the third option where we don't judge at all? We yield the situation to the Lord and we just interact with it with as much love and light as we're able to muster in the this, moment. This reminds me of the two trees in the garden. This sounds yeah. exactly like it because uh, usually in religion, we, we try and tell people to switch branches, to switch from the bad branch to the good branch. And yet it's the wrong tree. We're up the wrong tree, right? And so this is about life. So the non-judging is just to live from the life of Christ and yield and surrender all that feeling right to judge and, it's, and stop trying to be right and more right and understood, right? There's a lot of surrendering that people don't get. So when I see folks deconstruct, I see them deconstruct the love of Christ. I see them uh, throw that out and they didn't realize it got swept out and when they emptied the trash can and it was the love of Christ and the presence and peace is what's to guide us. So if you throw that out and you find a new list of right and wrong, oh my goodness, you become more of a jerk. Well, yeah. And, and see, if we get back to the one-sided thinking that we were yeah. talking about earlier, then what you're really doing is you're, you're, you're listening to one side. You're listening to one, one sort of reactive, uh, mindset on something and you're not examining yourself you know you're not examining your own thinking you're not examining your own bias you know well, i pick juries i'm an attorney and when i pick juries what we're looking for is bias we're looking to expose bias thinking mm. i don't want a one-way thinker on my juries okay as a criminal defense attorney i want somebody who's willing to look at both sides a lot of people will will be They'll listen to the state side. They'll listen to the uh, to the prosecutor and to the police, but they won't listen to anything else, and they don't believe anything. And and I'm not saying you know that that uh, that people are always telling the truth, but you know what? You're forced to make if you're going to be a fair and impartial juror, you're forced to presume that every witness is telling the truth until until you can't reconcile it, and then you got to make the call. It only makes you judge when you have to judge it. You know, but we have this 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 reflex to where we want to judge it instantaneously. And, you know, I, uh, you know, having gone through a divorce recently, I will tell you that the friends I appreciate most on Facebook are the ones that actually have have called me. And I've had a lot of them message me and ask me what, you know, share with me what's happened. Wow, you know, it's good. And, you know, and there's some that that, you know, may, may not do that and, and maybe have, have been offended at my divorce or whatever. And that's, I, I, I get that. But I, I think there's a part of me that hurts a little bit that, um, that people, you know, may want to call you out. I, I posted something the other day. I said, you know, before we call out somebody, why don't we call them up? Mm. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Jesus, yeah. Jesus said that, you know, if, if you have odd against your brother, go get right with him, go talk to him one-on-one. You know, and then there were steps that if the person, you know, whatever you had against him, if you needed to bring in other people, you do that. But uh, we tend to jump ahead, ahead of that. We don't go one-on-one to somebody. And that ought to be our routine. I, I mean, and really, it, um, really, I, th I think uh, that, um, you know, we, we have such a fear. We, we have such a... Uh, to get back to the reductive thing, we have, we have su such an idea that this thing is bad that I don't need to hear from you. I don't need to hear your side. I don't need to hear. I already know what your motive is. I already wow. know why. You, yep. I, I already know that you're, you know, 
uh, that you're this or that or the other. And if we realize how arrogant that sounds, I mean, uh, I love when Paul says, you know, the righteous are scarcely saved. None of us really know what's going on. I mean, we have some general sense, really. I mean, we have some general sense of it and we do the best we can. But who, who do we think we are knowing what somebody's motives are, what they've been through, what, what they've based their decision on? And I'm not talking about just me and my situation. I'm talking about every situation, you know, and, and we have so you know, I realized a couple of years ago, I have so much more time during my day if I don't judge everything, if I don't mm-hmm. judge people. You know, that really clears up my schedule to hear from the Lord. <laughs> it, that's scarily true. It really is. Like, I, I know as I began unlearning the system of religion, the one that seeks to control, and the, the system that seeks to go according and live according to the list um, of rules and regulations, when that starts to uh, implode, really, and go away, and I, I discover Jesus, um, yeah. My my love for other people has grown immensely for the longest time. This is this is going to sound a little bit scary, but when I moved from a, a legalism and discovered grace, so to speak, identity in Christ, and the two trees came into that at that stage of my growth. Uh, I think you, the exchange life stuff. You, you remember that? Mm-hmm. Um, that I, I did not know that that thinking was such a judge, a good content, but it created a, a danger of extreme judgmentalism against anybody legalistic. Cause now we know their heart. We figured it all out. We've got the answers. In fact, I got so bold in myself to think I can teach this for the rest of my life. I can take on any pastor. Now they're all wrong. I uh, mean, I got this, you know, and I never would have said that out loud, but in my mind, I kind of thought, oh, I'm excited, but I've, I've, I've arrived at grace. And then I got challenged as I began to change my thinking and discovered the, the, uh, the width and breadth of God's love is wider, bigger, deeper than I was told, even in the exchange life, just simple big grace basics. That's bigger than that. Oh my goodness. And then I got called a heretic, a universalist and all that stuff. It was intense judgment, but I also saw for the first time what I looked like to somebody else because I was confronted by a grace leader challenging me. And I realized, oh shoot, that's what I've done to what I call legalists, to people who don't see it the way I do. And it woke me up. It helped me see that just because I have some realm of knowledge if nothing else, right now, today, I know less because yes. there's so much more to learn. And I'm, I'm, to me, I'm far more gracious. I don't argue anymore on Facebook or anything like that. Um, I used to get into banters, but it's useless because there's no relationship there, right? You just do right. it for being, being right or build a ministry. That's the one I'm seeing a lot. People are trying to make a stage for themselves, right? And commenting on everybody's things, showing they're a great leader, being friends with all the the influencers and they're jockeying for position. And how do I know this? Cause I've done it. <laughs> and it's yeah. embarrassingly humbling to realize, wow, I didn't, my wife saw it. She's all, oh, you're always going for the leaders, but I've always been drawn to leadership. So I didn't like her judgment of me of that, <laughs> <laughs> but the, the, the part of jockeying, manipulating, um, could have been there, could have found its way in with the original honest desire to grow and be around good people. So it's very interesting because then I judge people that are anti this or pro that. And it's scary. I'm, I well, have, yeah. I, go ahead. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think, um, 
perhaps the problem is not how we judge, but the problem is that we judge. Mm. You know, there's something unblessed about, I mean, if Paul could tell everyone that was reading his writings, it's a small thing for them to judge him. Then it, it, but then he said, I didn't say this, but then Paul said, but that doesn't mean that I'm right. It doesn't mean that I'm right just because I think it's a small thing for you to judge me. Paul was walking outside of the concept of judgment. Mm -hmm. He wasn't consciously thinking. He would call it discernment. And, um, you know, when we look at Jesus's life, he didn't call out people, individual people for sin. Mm -hmm. You know, he he called out the hive mind. When When he gave his tough speeches, he was calling out a hive mind. He didn't call out individual people, yeah. you know, uh, he would talk to them one-on-one, you know, the woman at the well or, you know, or anyone else, you know, it would be one-on-one, very, very, uh, very relational. And yet we think we can get one side of a situation and then judge it, yeah. you know, absurd. I mean, it really is absurd. And, and I think, uh, you know, um, and I like this about you because I, I, when, when, you know, when I see you minister and when I see you relate to people, you're not looking to judge. It's not even occurring to you to judge. You know, why, what is it that we, why is it that we have to jam a judgment into the situation? Just, you know, you know, that passage where he says, those who are born of the spirit, you don't know when they're coming, where they're going. You, it, they're unpredictable. Yeah. I, I think it's our, it's our, this reductive thing where we have to judge, where we feel the pressure to judge a situation that absolutely paralyzes us and makes us predictable fogies, you know, and, and condemners. <laughs> Whereas the real people who are walking in the spirit, they don't, they don't need to judge. All right. If there's something they need to say, it's not going to come from a spirit of judgment because, you know, Jesus said, don't judge. <laughs> and Are you sure I, it was don't? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And with the same measure that you it, judge, you'll be judged. Yeah. You know, but that's, other, that's not a law. That's a principle of life. Yes. 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 And I've seen it a million times. Someone mm-hmm. who's harsh with their judgments magnetizes harsh judgments toward them. So what's and, the fruit? What's the fruit of not judging then? What does that open up? Because I think this is the key to the not judging when it comes to deconstruction, unlearning, hearing other teachers come up with uh, phrases that shock you and, and that's fine. But what do you do that? What happens when you're not judging? If there's something happens, you open yeah. up, right? Yes. You yes. Suddenly you're able to at least receive and okay, I've never heard it that way. Huh? Maybe they have a lens I don't have access to because there's still more topics coming up that people aren't ready for. There's the LGBTQ community. There's the um, transgender topic. There is, there is still hell. There's still end times. Those topics are still real. And when we don't judge other speakers or teachers or individuals or comments um, there, they come from a lens and we're not seeking to understand. We're seeking to be right. And so by not judging now, we're not trying to be right anymore. We're seeking to understand. Amen. Amen. And um, that's um, again, I think that if we could just see that there is an option, I don't, I, you know, and, and this is, you know, you talk about finding the rest of God that Hebrews talks about the rest yeah. of the man, God. I don't have to judge it. I, we used to have this idea that I've got to judge everything. I've got to, you know, I've got to walk in righteous judgment and do all that. And really the righteousness is you don't judge. You walk, you relate, you love, you're free to hear the spirit. You're free to minister the spirit. You're free to walk with somebody. I mean, when Jesus had the woman caught in adultery, uh, you know, he says, woman, I don't judge you. He said, where are your accusers? I don't judge you. I mean, he, and yet that was somebody 
you know, who presumably was guilty based on based and on yet, what And yet people still argue say, yes, he did, because he said, go and sin no more. So you're supposed to stop doing that bad stuff. Therefore, he judged. Right. Uh, well, but he didn't mention the sin that she was allegedly caught in. I know. Yeah. But this is this is the hyper. Um, yeah. Uh, attention to still finding a way to be able to judge. I need a license. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let, let me ask you this. I've read in scripture to not judge and I've read in scripture to judge. Mm-hmm. They're both there. How do you handle that? What, what have you, how have you grasped those things? Because I think there's context for each. Because I think when that passage in, uh, and uh, I believe it's in Corinthians where Paul again says, this is a small thing for you to judge me. Uh, I don't even judge myself, but that doesn't mean I'm right. Um, because there is one that judges me. Mm-hmm. So I think Paul's answer would be the Lord is the, is our judge. We need to yield to that and understand because, and why is he our judge? Because he knows the motives and the thoughts and the intents of all the human heart. And he's going to get you. And we can't, <laughs> I mean, we don't, we don't, we're not qualified to know that. <laughs> yeah. You know? don't know you know two people can do the exact same thing and yet their motives and thoughts are entirely different yeah and jesus has said that jesus knew the thoughts and, and and intents of of men's hearts and uh women's hearts presumably and uh and that's why he was able to judge the righteous judgment mm-hmm. and why he could say judge not according to appearance but judge the righteous judgment i think he says that in john 8 24 um so but I think when we judge each other, that's different than just tapping into God's uh, discernment of a situation, you know, and, and I think what we're looking for is to hear the Holy Spirit towards a situation. We don't have the authority, I don't think, to judge in our own thinking. We're not called to do that. We're, we're, we're called to be agents of reconciliation in the Lord's judgments. And when we understand that his judgments are all reconciliation judgments their judgments to cure his judgments are his cure well i'm i'm hearing the other side from other individuals who love to quote memorize scripture and use it as a punching bag okay like the the bible is a is literally punching gloves and so when they hear the judging we're supposed to stand up for the gospel we're supposed to stand up for jesus be ready to give an answer at all times and they just pour on the you must you must you must therefore it's up to you to stay saved Right? Like that's right. exhausting. Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, I think that gets back to that reductive idea. Let me reduce our interaction with an all powerful God an all omnipresent God who is love and light. Let me replace that with just a handful of rules. Mm. Okay. And then we've reduced it to nothing more than you violated this rule. You're guilty. Your motive doesn't matter. Your situation doesn't matter. Your life experience doesn't matter where you're headed from, where you're going to, it doesn't matter. You know, the trauma you've been through doesn't matter. None of it matters. You violated the rule. Is, is, is that not that, the perfect picture of being reductive? You've oversimplified everything and sucked the life out of it. And the very thing that Jesus could do was read hearts, mm-hmm. you know, situations. He knew, and he was so gentle with, it, with a woman caught in adultery, so gentle with it. You know, and, and, yet, and yet when we try to take over and do our own driving in the judgments, look, just look how cruel we are. You know, one of the first things, you know, that, that, that I exercised not judging in was I realized, uh, you know, with, with the, uh, um, the lesbian and gay community that, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to judge this. I just made a decision in my heart. I'm not judging it. 
I don't feel compelled to judge it. I don't feel the Holy Spirit leading me to judge it. I don't feel my heart urging me to judge it. I'm supposed to shut my mouth and listen and look and learn and love and love. And so I'm, you know, and, and when we do that, I, I like to call it goodwill neutrality. You know, I, I'm resolving. I'm not going to judge any man and, uh, or, you know, or any woman, any man or woman, I'm not going to judge them. And, and I'm going to have goodwill neutrality. You know, I'm going to b- try to believe the best, hope the best for them. And then if, if, and then maybe perhaps I'm qualified to hear something from the Lord about it that might help their situation yeah. you know, that might help bless the situation or help, help, help us all. But we, we, we are driven to want to put an exclamation point on everything. Yeah. You know, I'm, here's my exclamation point. We're done. I've decided it's judged. It's over. No, it's not. It's never over. <laughs> you know, one thing leading to another thing, leading to another thing. And, and all, all that we're here to do, I, I believe are to be agents of reconciliation. Bingo. You know, God called us and his judgments are just, his judgments are curative. That's what we don't get. Our judgments are not curative. Okay. Our, okay. I was going to ask you about this. So sure. in, because you're a lawyer, you've got a great insight into judging. Okay. Like yeah. we have it mixed up somehow. Could you explain the two contrasts of the judging world and why they're hearing it incorrectly and how does God define judgment uh, versus how we have been led to believe it. Could you compare those two for those that may be having a hard time seeing a, a distinct difference between the two judgings? Well, in the, in the legal, you know, in the legal field, uh, particularly with criminal, uh, with the penal codes and criminal, uh, you know, the state's response to crimes, uh, when we're talking about penitentiaries and prisons, it's always comes down, what's the prevailing doctrine? Is it punishment or is it rehabilitation? Hmm. And often liberals are accused of, oh, they're bleeding hearts. They want rehabilitation. And yet, and yet, that's exactly, the Lord may be the greatest liberal of all, okay? Because, <laughs> because punishments, because his punishments are rehabilitative. He's looking to restore us. He is looking to reconcile us. He is not looking to have an eye for an eye. Didn't Jesus kind of say that? You've heard it was I, this whole thing was eye for an eye. I'm telling you, turn the other cheek and bless your enemy. Pray for them who despitefully use you. I am telling you, Mike, the most important verses in the Bible to me are Matthew 5, 38 through 48. We're on the Sermon of the Mount. Jesus explains what makes his heavenly father perfect. In verse 48 of that passage, he says, be perfect as your heavenly father's perfect. Then you got to read the previous 10 verses and they tell you how his heavenly father's mm. perfect. And that is because he loves his enemies. He prays for those who despitefully use him. He sends rain on the just and the unjust. He walks the extra mile. He gives the extra garment. He absolutely loves his enemies on every level and in every way. And that's what makes the father perfect. So je- listen, are we okay with the father judging? If that's the way the father judges his enemies, bring it on. Yeah. All right. And by so doing, Paul said, when you, when you heap good on your enemies, when you heap good on your enemies, you put coals on their head, cathartic coals that allow them to repent. All right. That help them to repent. But when you return an eye for an eye, when you judge somebody and you spend all your day judging and accusing each other, you don't have anything for the other person. Nobody's got coals on their head. You know, everyone's just angry and mean and fangs bared out. 
And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm so tired of that. And, and really, I think, uh, you know, if, if, if we just learn to police our own fangs, you know, really, I'm not yeah. going to, it'd be nice if we could get permanently defanged, but all <laughs> I have, have a bad morning and I'm ready to start judging, bring him on, you know, but to be set free from judgment itself, I think is the thing. Well, you know, what about people who are doing wrong? Well, you know what? You don't, it's what I said earlier. You don't call someone out first. You call them up. You, you try to hear their heart with no, with no presumption mm -hmm. about them already being right or wrong. Let me hear you first, because if I don't hear you first, that's another way of saying, I don't, I really don't love you. Okay. You know, I've, I've decided for you now. Let, let me, you know, you're there tapping your foot. Okay. All right. I'm, let me hear it. Let me hear it. No, mm -hmm. I mean, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about just having a tender heart and, and wanting to understand every situation you're in to first understand it, to first let, you know, let the nuance enter the situation, refuse to be reductive, refuse to jump to a conclusion, hear both sides. I, I heard a, a young man, you know, just a few weeks ago, tell me that, you know, he said, Richard, I'm tired of being a, a one-sided thinker. Hmm. You know, uh, I've been scared that I'm a one-sided thinker. And uh, it reminds me of somebody, you know, else that I don't want to be like. Uh, and I want to be a two-sided thinker. I want to see both sides and be open to both sides. Can you, this, this was a 17-year-old. Can you believe how beautiful a statement that is? That's an you early know? start. Holy. Yes. Yes. So I, I think, you know, all that by way of saying that, when, when, we, when we refuse to judge, I think that that opens up all our sensibilities to the Holy Spirit and allows us to interact with the Holy Spirit and then enter into his judgment on a situation, which is not really judgment. It's some sort of cure. It's some explain sort of- that, Explain that. Define the judgment in a, in a proper way now. Because um, you're, you're, you're dancing around it. And I'm hoping you'll hit it. <laughs> it's like- Yeah, yeah. Well- um, you know, the, uh, it's like a physician, right? You were talking about at one point, there's a physician mindset here in, yeah, judging yeah. versus a judge in a court. Right. Right. And, um, one of the, uh, if, if I remember right, uh, let me make sure I'm right about this. Let me think for a second. I think the word for crisis, uh, which is judgment, which is the Greek word for judgment is used to also, um, refer Galen and, and some of the ancients use the term, to, to refer to the turning point in a disease. Hmm. Okay. In other words, when it gets better, the turning point, when it gets better so that if I judge a situation, I'm actually, that's the turning point. If I've judged it with the Lord's judgment, if the Holy spirit, when the Holy spirit judges a situation and we get out of the way, see, we keep his judgment out of the way with our carnal judgments. We don't offer him a vehicle to flow through. But when we're in a situation being an agent of reconciliation, that gives the Holy Spirit access, greater access into the situation to become the turning point, you know, and maybe and who's to even say there is a turning point in a particular situation. I mean, we just know so little that we can't really claim to have the bottom line on any situation. So we have to handle these things loosely yep. and undogmatically and non uh, non-legalistically, because the more legalistic you are, the less, the less sensitive you are to the Holy Spirit. Let's just be honest. I, I challenge anyone to disprove that. The more legalistic you are, the less sensitive you are to the Holy Spirit. They're, they're directly related. And it's connected. The other word I use is don't be gracilistic either, because you can, you can judge the terminology and be a grace Gestapo to folks and keep correcting their grace language. Like, stop it. Who made you Jesus? 
to judge like this. And by the way, he doesn't sound like that, you know? <laughs> right. That's right. It, you know, I, so, so, so if, if God's going to judge us, okay, how does mm-hmm. he judge us? What would you say to somebody that says, God's going to judge us in the end? Yes, he will. And it looks like this. What would you say? Well, I would say first Corinthians three to me talks about the post post-mortem judgment at the end of our lives. You know, at, is it going to look like a television screen with all the crap we've done uh, displayed for everybody else in heaven for the rest of eternity to watch our, our stuff? Well, I tell you what I think it'll be like, and we talked about this in our head thing. I think yeah. he's going to take us on a walkabout, a cosmic walkabout, everybody, and he's going to take us back to our lives, and he's going to show us like Scrooge in the Christmas story. He's going to take us back, and he's going to show us our lives in with uh, from his perspective. He's going to show us our lives where we may have gone wrong in a situation where we, we may- have judged it incorrectly yes oh yeah yes and that's and, cool uh, the yeah his judgments you know that that's why david you know at some point you know david had the choice between letting men judge him or letting god judge him and he said keep me from the judgments of men i'll take the lord's judgment because okay. he, he judges us as righteous Right. Yes. That's yes. that is the declaration. We are already judged by God as righteous, clean, pure. And all these lies and darkness we've allowed to our heads, that's going to be judged out as in purged out at, at, at a judgment time. Not a reconciling of the lists of bad things, but getting rid of the stuff that wasn't supposed to be there anyway and be revealed again. This is who you really are. Yes. You know, yes. That's what I see. Yes, and, and uh, he's going to help us remove our masks, you know, the, the mask, sin mask we've been operating yeah. out of. And if we yeah. do that on this side of, yeah. of, of, of death and learn to not judge, like you're saying, to come to that third option of stop judging, suddenly we're going to become the conduit of grace and love. And Jesus is going to be seen and heard more and more, right? Exactly. And, and really, yeah, and I love what you said about the deconstruction part of it, because really what we should be deconstructing is judgment itself, yeah. which is our whole idea with this thing is why, you know, we didn't, we didn't deconstruct so that we could become more judgmental. I mean, that we've missed the boat if we've gone that way with it. And uh, it's not a question of excusing sin or not. It's a question of loving people, and it's a question of helping people. Uh, we know that the ministry of condemnation is the ministry of the law, but we also know it's the ministry of Satan. Satan condemns the brethren, the brethren and the sisters, night and day. That's what he does before the Lord is he condemns, he accuses, he is the accuser. And judgments are a form of accusation. And that's why in human courts, you know, why sometimes I feel sick because there's so much, it's endless accusation upon accusation upon accusation. But every now and then, you will see a jury or a judge transcend all of it mm. and it just, and it, it, that something will be done in the courtroom where mercy was shown, where some sort of curative offering was made by the judgment, some, some light shining on the situation that, mm. with, that refuses to be cruel and refuses to judge it. Wow. And, you know, allow for some sort of reconciliation. And those are the time, those are the mad, you know, I've got maybe 10 of them in my mind that I can remember, you know, of, of, of just incredible acts of mercy. And, um, you, and know, you that left I, that courtroom crying. You told me about yeah, one of them. Yes. Yes. And, uh, that was, you know, and I understand you render unto Caesar, the things that are Caesar's, but we need to remember this. We are supposed to render the things unto God that are unto God and is unto God. 
All right. You know, don't give place to wrath. Judgment is the Lord's. Vengeance is the Lord's. But the Lord's vengeance is curing them. Mm-hmm. The Lord's vengeance cures people. It's not the eye for an eye vengeance. It's not it's punishment. The it's the turn the other cheek, bless the yep. enemy thing. So yep. I know that uh, when I discovered that the Holy Spirit does not convict us of sin, because there's a scripture verse that if it's mistranslated, it says and the Holy Spirit convict, convicts us of sin. It's actually not true. He convinces us, not convict, yeah. convince, same thing convinces yeah. us first of righteousness and those that are unbelievers he doesn't convict them of sin either he only convinces them of their unbelief that's it so yes. somehow we've confused those two things thinking that there we go there's our license we're allowed to we're allowed to help the holy spirit out and judge but it's not it at all well and i'll tell you along those same lines you know romans paul said in romans 14 that whatever is not of faith is sin mm. <laughs> What a mind blower that is, because what that tells you is, you know, and I've applied this, you know, to the gay and lesbian thing, to, to everything. Who am I to say that somebody else can't do what they're doing by faith? Who am I? I don't know whether they have faith or not. I know that they should have faith to do it just as I should have faith. There are people in heterosexual relationships. They don't have faith in their in their relationships. You know, they're not operating in faith. So I don't even know that God even looks at the external conduct part of it. He's looking at the heart, always at the heart. Faith works by love. So that Galatians says faith works by love. So if somebody's not operating in faith, they're not operating in love. So mm-hmm. the only lovelessness. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if we really, you know, want to sift through this and see what is it really that the Lord is concerned with, it's, it's from his perspective, it's when he sees his children operate in lovelessness. And judgment is is loveless. It's a form of lovelessness. And I know some people judge with good intents and, you know, and, and, and all this. But, I mean, most of it's not that way. You can tell from the tone of it and from the harshness of it and from the, you know, the condescension and the arrogance that's behind it. So, I, I think. I think, I think really, you're nailing it. You're, you're hitting it right there, right now. Yeah. I think really judgment is a temp- we're tempted daily to judge and we're not supposed to judge. We're supposed to discern and move into the Lord's, the way, the wind of the Holy Spirit, whichever way. And it may be a different way. Today, it may blow that way in a situation. Tomorrow, it may come in from this situation. We need all our sensibilities to, to align ourselves with that. And it's the judgment that keeps us you know, from being sensitive to those things. So here, here's another thing that I thought was cool. We, a number of months ago, we did a, a conversation about growing up in Christ. We talked about first Peter or sorry, second Peter one and John talking about child, young man, father, do you remember that one? Yes. Stages of growth. So th- that plays into this too, because sometimes we think we're so much more mature and therefore we judge when really you're actually much more immature <laughs> and it's humbling. I, I'm, I'm taking a look at second Peter one verses six and seven. There's a progressive journey going on here of what it looks like to grow in knowledge of God. And here's the, there's one sentence, verse seven it says and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. The translation I originally read this out of in the new living translation, the one, I forget which version of it was, it says that godliness will lead to, love for other believers, authentic love, but then you're going to grow to have an authentic love for everyone. And some people think they're, they're good people because they love other Christians because the Bible says to do so. Well, that's not it. There's more. It's love everyone. That is the love of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. 
Amen. And how can you love them if you're judging them? Yes. Yeah. I mean, us, it, us it, versus them every time. Yeah. 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 It stops you from loving them. It, it constipates our love, which is why we shouldn't do it, you know, and, and why it can be avoided. It's just a simple, it's just a simple, don't go there, girlfriend. <laughs> don't go there, boyfriend. Don't go there. We don't yeah. have to do this. And um, I've seen time and time again, the uh, ministry opportunities open up because I haven't judged the person before I haven't judged, you know, I'm not saying I'm walking this prep, but, and I, and I will say this, what's helped me personally not judge people is being a criminal defense attorney. I've got people in my office all the time telling me all sorts of wild stories. And I see that they're scared that I'm going to judge them. Mm. I, they're embarrassed at that. And the Lord has just helped me throughout the years develop. I want them to know there'll be no judgment in this office. You know, you tell, and out of that, They've come to me, you know, just today, somebody was telling me something and they came outside and he said, you're a Christian, aren't you? And I said, yes, <laughs> you know, because he didn't, you know, because he didn't feel judged about it. Wow. And uh, people that so blesses people um, because people who are, are traumatized come into the court system. If they're not traumatized, the court system's about to traumatize. <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> and, and just to know, and just to know that there are people that can hear the heaviness of these things and mm. still be treat them with human dignity and just human it's interesting you say that you don't judge them and then they see it. Um, and uh, you're making me realize what has happened even in my own life with my chaplaincy world. Cause I do fire department chaplaincy, funeral home chaplaincy, weddings, long-term care, but in the weddings and funerals, particularly when I meet, let's say gay, a gay couple where the spouse has died, you know, um, people have asked me, well, are you going to do a gay wedding? So why do gay funerals? You know, what's, what's the difference here? And I make sure I go out of my way to make sure they're, they don't see me as the clergy that judges. I make sure I hug them, hand, shake their hand with a warm embrace and make sure there's a tone of non-judgmentalism so they can begin to trust because it's, they've been hurt by way too many Christians. So even the term yeah. Christian bothers me. It's one who, those who have an authentic faith in Jesus you know, that they can tell real Christians from judgmental ones. They know it. So yeah. what you just, just described, I realized that's cool. I think I have evidence of that in my own life too. And it's very thrilling to look back on. Well, and, and, you know, I think one other part of this, Mike, is, is just what is the presumption we walk by? Hmm. And, and I think a presumption I want to walk by is that if somebody, you know, that other people are living by faith, you know, that they have their own faith before the Lord. And, you know, Paul said that you have your faith, have it before God, you, you know, that uh, I don't automatically presume they don't have it. Because if I presume they don't have it, then I'm there to proselyte. Judge. Yeah. You know, but if but if if I presume they do have it and then something, you know, and then I feel something in the spirit pop up that, I, you know, to share with a the person, then at least I'm doing it from a place that I'm not judging them. You know, I'm doing but you have already, you, you have already, because of your own theology journey, you already know there is light in every single one of them. You don't have to yeah. worry if they have faith. Of course they have faith. And any faith we do have, every smidgen is a gift. Nobody can muster up their own faith. Everything is a gift. Yes. So, yes, yes everyone has faith. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and just to, uh, you know, to walk alongside them, if, 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 you know, in love. And that's my only obligation. You know, not to correct them and, and rewrite their book. Mm -hmm. God, I used to try to do that so much. I knew exactly what everybody needed. I, here's my prescription. Here's my holy prescription for you. Oh, that's go embarrassing. Out, uh, go out, uh, you know, uh, so uh, 
uh, uh, so anyhow, um, you know, that, that's that. Um, are you getting distracted? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. Hey, we'll wrap this up. That's fine. Okay. Uh, Cause it's, it's like a good half hour. This, this was a lot of fun. Um, and I want to keep your sanity and focus here. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Not, not Don't be. All sorts of things are going around. That's totally fine. Um, let's wrap this up, but uh, I'm looking forward to another conversation when we have the next two on hell, but this particular one uh, to the non-judging stage, like when we look at the two, the two trees in the garden, we have the tree of the knowledge of right and wrong, good and evil. And then we have the tree of life and to live from that tree and just be life and loving, man, that works for every circumstance and so much less stress in life. Yes, absolutely. It, it's all about, you know, uh, it's all about, it's all about rest, you know, and I'm a big believer in the Hebrews rest, that there's a rest that remains for us yeah. and rest that for the people of God, the rest is that we, we live in a place of, of goodwill towards each other, of new, neutral goodwill. And that uh, we would be the ones that would keep stonings from happening. And we're to live from the place of rest. Yes, yes, yes. And, and, uh, and, and, and if, uh, People who judge are never restful. They're just always agitated and stirred up. And uh, the thing about judgments, it can become addictive. It, you know, judge others can become addictive. And uh, you just look at Facebook to see that. And I understand <laughs> politics and stuff like that. That's why I never talk about those things really too much because they get me in a judge in a in a judgment mindset, and it's just uh, it doesn't yeah. it doesn't fit me anymore. Uh, I'm not comfortable doing it. When you're uncomfortable, I, have you ever judged something? You no. Know, and kind of, kind of snappy with it and then kind of looked over your shoulder. You just felt like, uh, uh, yeah. Yes. I feel yucky. Yes. You know, I, I, the Lord didn't lead me to do that. If we, would be honest, if we would be honest about what the Lord led us to do, I'm telling you, it's like people who talk about hell, uh, you know, they'll say something about hell. I said, do you really believe, did the Lord lead you to that? Or is that just your best call on that? Just drove. <laughs> and, uh, you, you know, very few of them will say the Lord. Yeah, I'm sure the Lord led me. To, well, I can't, most of them will admit, well, now I can't say the Holy Spirit told me that, but it's, yep. it's clear from scripture. That's what it is. Yeah. So uh, I just don't hear the Lord speak in those to tones and I don't hear the Lord speak in the tones of judgment. Not, mm -hmm. not, not in the way we model it. Correct. Well, that's why I think this topic is so important that we don't forget, even if you're going to go through a journey of deconstruction, we got to deconstruct judging one another. That, I think yeah. you said it earlier and that was brilliant. That really sums it up. So, yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Richard. Thanks for the time. I'll let you go do what you got to do and uh, say hello to everyone that's around you. And hopefully everyone else will join us next week for the next program of Still Growing in Grace. All right. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. Uh, if you thought that was good, wait till next week. Wow. Um, this, this particular topic's huge for us. Um, and it stings to hear words like addicted to judging. Or then you have the, the counter wisdom that says, well, then don't judge. How do we not judge when we're addicted to it or are living in a culture of judgmentalism? Uh, and that pours over into politics, that pours over into um, relationships with people we disagree with and so on and so on. It's, it's, it's wild. I hope you enjoyed that. I'm just going to say hello to a few folks online here. I'll bring this over here. Uh, Sandra from the UK, I'm glad you're chiming in and commenting. You had a couple of great comments I'm going to jump in on in just a moment. Um, Joy and Mark in Guelph, great. Thank you for watching. Jeremy, hey, Jeremy, where are you from? Um, where are you watching from? 
uh, but he's talking about trauma, that there's uh, uh, a trauma involved with a lot of believers, and that uh, that causes us to judge, I think. Um, and then Mark and Joy say, uh, don't, uh, don't sin was said because she was looking for life that was outside somewhere. Uh, yep, definitely. That's a, a good perspective. Um, Jeremy, Jeremy, Sandra again. Uh, yeah, look and love, goodwill, neutrality, Inter interesting. Resist injustice, that, that's another topic too, like when we talk about justice and injustice. In fact, it'd be interesting to have Richard talk about justice and injustice um, uh, from a legal perspective and a biblical perspective. I think I, was, I, I now hear that I mixed up my question because um, I was asking him to define judging, but I was thinking justice in the back of my head for some reason, so that's interesting. Okay. Keeping going here. Restorative justice. Yes, absolutely. The Lord's vengeance cures. Listen, the, the key phrase you're going to hear today and next week for sure is uh, curative, not punitive. That's in the comments in the description of this of this talk. I think you'll love it. Um, Sandra writes, uh, 2 Peter 1.6 says, Here you will realize your inner strength and how fully competent you are to prevail in patient perseverance in the midst of any contradiction is from a place, uh, sorry, it is from within this place of, and I can't read the rest. Um, and then she writes, enlightened, oh, maybe it's continued, in a uh, place of enlightened perspective that meaningful devotion and worship, um, I can't read that. Anyway, there's more going on here, and I love what she's saying there. And Mark and Joy say, yeah, well read, well said. In worship, you'll find genuine fondness of others. At the heart of everything that faith upholds is the agape love of God. Oh, really? The agape love of God. Funny. I think I've heard that before. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you, Sandra. It's true. And on Sunday, I talked about uh, um, uh, don't get caught with the... Uh, uh, lack of agape syndrome that's going on in our culture today and we judging is a big one and I was trying to address uh, just general stress uh, and Jeremy is from Arizona oh my goodness I think it's hot by you by the way I think we hit um, Canada's hottest temperature ever recorded I think it was 47 47 Celsius I think it's 118 or 20 Fahrenheit I'm not sure but that's never happened in Canada before so Eek. anyway all right, that's it for today, folks. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. Please join us back next week uh, for part two. If you enjoyed this, like it. If you really enjoyed it, share it. If you want to, it's great. Um, that's it. Have a really, really fantastic day, and I look forward to seeing you guys next time. Join me next time on Still Growing in Grace for more good news. Enjoy previous episodes by downloading our podcast at growingingrace.ca. You can also visit hopefellowshipycc.com to find our service times and location. If this show has been an encouragement to you, please consider making a donation today at growingingrace.ca and help us keep spreading this good news. Thank you again for tuning in to Still Growing in Grace.